It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Celtics, your daily Celtics podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Man, I'm, so, I'm so hyped right now. Anything's possible. Oh, my mama. Oh, my mama made it, Anything's possible. days. Jump shot, fade away. This the best Celtics podcast day to day. I get excited about it every night about it. A real C's fan wouldn't want to live their life without it. Banner 18 in the making, we gotta make it. Best squad in the East and still we can't get complacent. Most winning franchise, so the history's ancient. You can tell the mother guys are going plan a vacation. Yeah, Corrales, Packard, and J. King Locked on, trying to get the 18th ring The most in-depth coverage that you ever gonna hear Well-respected in a city like Russell's career It's raining Jays, raining Jays. Millie's. Millie's. Welcome back, this is the Locked On Celtics Podcast And we want to thank you for making us part of your daily routine We are here for you Monday through Friday, and this is the Friday show. So, welcome to the end of your work week. You made it. You did it. Good job, everybody. <laughs> Thanks for joining us. I am John Corrales of the Rain and Jays, here right now by myself, but joined shortly by Tony East of the Locked On Pacers podcast. We had a great conversation uh, about the Celtics and the Pacers and what's going to be potentially a very long month between these two teams. Uh, so stick around for that. All of you new listeners, welcome aboard. Hope you enjoy the show. Maybe some of you are Pacers fans. want to welcome you aboard. I very much encourage the cross-listening between the Celtics and the Pacers podcast and other teams. Like if we're... When, if we face the Bucks, if we make it that far, then you should follow Lockdown Bucks and listen to them and whomever we play. But definitely subscribe to these podcasts. It's just a great way to get to know the other teams in the league and, and get really a very good local expert perspective, really in-depth stuff. So listen to all of these. Uh, every NBA team has a Lockdown podcast. So you should definitely listen to all of them because you, you'll really get a good sense of what's going on with all of these teams. So definitely check them out. And you can subscribe to Lockdown Celtics or any of these Lockdown podcasts with the brand new podcast app Himalaya, as well as Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. And of course, you can get into your car and tell your smart device to play podcast Lockdown Celtics or Lockdown whichever other team, Lockdown Pacers, if you so choose. So. That's coming up. Tony East is coming up. But before we do that, just a couple of things that made news with the Celtics on Thursday, starting with a report on Yahoo that a Celtics fan was banned for two years for hurling a racial slur, the N-word, at DeMarcus Cousins when the Celtics played the Warriors in Boston. So this is a report from Yahoo. I don't know what the – it's not been confirmed by the Celtics. Uh, when we go and talk to the Celtics tomorrow, when the Celtics play, uh, the Pacers will hopefully get a, a statement or some more definitive word from the team. As the report goes from Yahoo Sports' Chris Haynes, that the this fan – used that slur and has been banned for two years. 
The remainder of this year, not even two years, the remainder of this year and next year. Uh, I don't know what this means for that fan. If that fan, I guess, comes gets to come back after that. I, I don't know. Uh, the Utah Jazz, after it was revealed that Russell Westbrook in that viral video where he threatened basically to fight a guy and his wife, it, it turns out that another fan, that fan was using uh, racially insensitive uh, language towards Westbrook. I'm, I'm choosing my words carefully here, but uh, that fan was banned for life. Another fan was doing the same. It was found out after that, and that fan was banned for life. Why the Celtics chose to ban somebody for two years, I I don't even know if it was the Celtics who chose to do that, if it was the security that's hired by the TD Garden. I really don't know the answer to that. Uh, I assume because it was during a Celtics game that the Celtics had a hand in that, but I I, I shouldn't say that the Celtics chose to do this um, because I don't know for a fact that the Celtics – are the ones who chose to do this. So that's a question that we will ask. And why a fan would be allowed to come back after after that is is a, a question that I need to know the answer to. This is not okay. Like, we, this is 2019, and it was never okay, but, like, it's time to just everybody – everybody just – Get on the get on board here. I, I I don't even know what words to use because it's just so frustrating. It's just so. An, why why at this point why are we so hateful why 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 are you using this language why because he's on another team. I'm no fan of DeMarcus Cousins. I don't like DeMarcus Cousins. I've never, I don't know him personally. I don't like him as a basketball player, but he's still a person. And to use this language, it's disgusting. I don't want that guy. I don't want that fan in that building. I go to work in that building. I don't want those people in that building. I don't want to be in a building where people quote-unquote fans are out there hurling this language. I don't want to be walking by these people who are using this language. I don't want to be in the building with those people. That's just... No. It can't. It just can't be. It can't be. We can't... And, and we all have to work together to get those people out of that building. This has no place, no place in society, no place. We got to work together. If you see it, if you hear it, call that person out, get security, kick that person out. And if it's, if that's a word you choose to use, get out of here. Stop listening to the podcast. I don't want you. I don't want you. Block me. I'll block you. I don't care. We can't have that. Not now, not ever, but especially not now. Not moving forward. Come on, man. I it's just infuriating. It's infuriating to me that somebody would use that language. And 
Boston's got enough problems. Boston's history is is not great. And the conversation around Boston being a racist racist city, uh, it's it's problematic. Um, and it's it's a conversation that uh, it, too many layers to talk about on a a Celtics podcast, but it's a conversation that's worth having. And does Boston have a racist history? Of course, every city does in America. Of course, every city does. Uh, and there's still, it still exists in Boston, just like it exists in every city around America and hell, maybe around the world. Uh, it's disgusting to see it. And, uh, the Celtics have to answer for why it's only a two-year ban. I'm going to leave it at that, not because I want to, but because it's going to be a long podcast and you're not here for this, but we're also here because this is something that's happening in the city, in our city, with our team. And one of the things that I love about basketball is that it is supposed to erase all of this. When I, as a basketball player, and even though I'm old and fat and washed up, I still consider myself a basketball player. And whenever I walk onto a basketball court, I want to be joined by four people who are going to help me win a game. And I do not care. I do not care if you are black I do not care if you are Asian or whatever race. I do not care about your religion. I do not care about your sex. I do not care about your sexual orientation. Basketball, I want to be out there with four other people that are going to help me win a game. And when I'm watching, I want to be sitting around people that enjoy the game the same way that I do. Regardless of who you are, color of your skin, who you pray to, or if you do not pray at all. I do not care if you stand or sit to pee. I do not care about any of that stuff. Basketball is supposed to erase all of that. Sports is supposed to erase all of that. That's what I love about sports. The meritocracy. If you're good, you're good. If you are good, you are good. And if you know what you're talking about, you know what you're talking about. If you love the sport, you love the sport then you can hang with me and we can be friends. That's what I want. So that's what I'm talking about here. And that's what this podcast is about. We're out here to have some fun. We don't do the jam, which jam of the game just for certain people. It's for everybody, man. We have fun with this. So let's end this bullshit. Let's end this bullshit. All right. Everybody get together. If you see something, seriously, if you see something, say something. Call them out. Call those people out. Kick these racists out of the building. We don't need them. They can go cheer for another team or no team. I don't give a shit. Kick them out the building. I do not want you there. I do not, I do not want you in the same building as me. We're going to move on. We're going to talk some actual basketball. I had a great conversation with Tony East of the Locked On Celtics podcast. Cool guy. It's my first time talking to him, and we had a 
really great talk. We talked for like 40 minutes and uh, it was supposed to be like half that, but we got to talking and it was a lot, a lot of fun. Uh, we're going to get to that after the break. Uh, so again, uh, thanks for listening, everybody. I really appreciate all of you. Uh, lots of love for all of the listeners, really, seriously. Uh, I hope you uh, enjoy the show, and we're going to get back to talking basketball right after the break. NFL teams making bold final moves before the start of the season. From our local experts to your ears, these are the biggest stories on the Locked On Podcast Network. The Tennessee Titans have announced a one-year deal with linebacker Jadavion Clowney, reportedly worth $15 million. Tyler Rowland of Locked On Titans tells you if it's going to be enough to get Tennessee back to the AFC title game. In other moves around the league, the Miami Dolphins named Ryan Fitzpatrick starting quarterback, which means Tua will be back up for the time being. And the Detroit Lions have agreed to a one-year deal with running back Adrian Peterson. Peterson was released by the Washington football team last Friday. For more NFL news and analysis, subscribe to the new Peacock and Williamson NFL show and listen to a brand new lineup on Locked On NFL. They'll have division previews every day this week. Local experts on the biggest stories. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You're up to date on your favorite team, but what about the competition? Hollinger and Nate Duncan are evaluating every bubble contender on Hollinger and Duncan. Rejecting the screen goes behind the scenes with in-depth interviews and the Locked On NBA podcast is recapping games daily. Let the Locked On NBA network of podcasts take care of your NBA bubble scouting reports. Hollinger and Duncan, rejecting the screen, the Locked On NBA podcast. Subscribe to the best trio of NBA podcasts on the planet wherever you get your podcasts. All right, Celtics and Pacers, Friday night. This will be potentially the first of nine times these two teams could face each other (laughs) over the course of the next month. We are going to hate each other. And joining me now to discuss our future hatred for one another is Tony East, co-host of the Locked On Pacers podcast, and he covers the Indiana Pacers for the West Indianapolis Community News. Tony, what's going on, man? John, I'm good. I'm riding the high of a a Purdue basketball victory. Indiana basketball can only... uh... Can only go down from here, which does not bode well for tonight's game. <laughs> All right, let's talk about this. So we've got um, really we're at a point where it's only going to be who hosts, like who gets home court here. Yep. So let's talk about our confidence in our teams <laughs> first of all. So okay. uh, it's I shouldn't laugh. That just gave it away. <laughs> Well, as I was saying before we recorded, I have already tentatively booked my hotel rooms for that first weekend where the uh, playoffs start in Indy, assuming that we're going to start on the road because this is the this is the fourth seed that nobody seems to want, and if if the Celtics end up losing one of these games, then I believe the tiebreaker goes to you guys. 
So, oh, oh, I I have not seen the same thing. Okay, what do you? Wait, what did you say if they lose both of these games? Am I zoning no, out too much? The winner, the winner of if if somebody if if somebody wins both games, then that's that's the yes, tiebreaker. Yes, that's the tiebreaker. Correct. But if one of if if you win one of these games, then I believe the tiebreaker goes to you. Like if the team it's, split, then it gets down to a point where it's I think, a conference record, and they're tied in that too. Yeah, it, I think you get down to like a fourth or fifth tiebreaker that yeah is is in Indy's favor. I it's think. it's like record against playoff opponents in the East or something. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's it's weird. So, uh, so what do you think? Are you you <laughs> you you seem to be thinking that it's going to be the five seed for you guys? I am, um, but not be like, you know, you're obviously more plugged in with your team, but it's like, it's turmoil versus schedule to me because the Celtics are really competing with themselves. You guys don't have like the hardest slate of eight games, uh, besides the Pacers twice, of course. Um, <laughs> the Pacers play every single game they play the rest of the way as against an East playoff team, except for their final game in Atlanta. Um, and the Hawks will play nobody. Their starting point guard will be someone I've never heard of before in that game. So if it does come down to that game, I believe they will win. But uh, the Celtics have the schedule in their favor. However, like you said, because they play each other twice, it's like what do the what do the advantages really matter? Like what does being a game up really matter? What does the schedule really matter? Like if you just win both of those games, you're basically a lock to get it. Right. And, and this is going to be a weird scenario because – if uh, okay, let's just assume that both teams are actually trying to get that fourth seed. There, there is something in me that tells me that the Celtics might not care about the fourth seed. Like they're not going to do, they're not going to reach into the magic hat and pull out a rabbit to say, "Here's our magic play. We're going to win these two games and then go into the playoffs." They're not going to tip any hands to maybe let the Pacers know what a seven-game series against Boston might be. Because, I mean, it's, at this point, really kind of just minutia. Like, what what the hell can Brad Stevens do <laughs> that would surprise? Like, you, you run this thing. We have this narrative like, oh, hold things back. You never know what, what they're going to pull off. But they do that. And like, what? What does that get you? Four points? Six points, maybe? Like, yeah. Okay, that, that could be the difference in a game. But after that, this, this is the NBA. Coaches adjust like, oh, oh, they're running a pick and roll with Kyrie and Al Horford? Who would have thunk that would happen? So that's – there's going to be some, like, holding back and not tipping every hand. But at the same time, what Boston needs to do most is just play well and stop being stupid. Like that's our, our motto right now for the Celtics. Just stop doing stupid things. Stop doing stupid things. Stop being like morons on the court and, and play actual good basketball. You'll be fine. Um, so that's the focus. And if that, if that means you got to do certain things to, to um, get to that point and it, it's not necessarily going over the top to win one of these games. And I don't think Boston's going to go crazy. Be like, we have to win this game. Like, Oh, wow. Or else it's all like, like, I don't think that they're in that spot necessarily. They'd like to, uh, they're better at home than on the road, but I don't think that they're just dying, absolute dying to win these games. Uh, I think the Pacers are, <laughs> Yeah, I, I don't have it in front of me. I wish I did. Mark Monteith is one of the Pacers.com writers. He's fantastic. 
he wrote an article about the Pacers wanting home court really bad. And one of his big points was in 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 series where the Pacers were the home team, they're 15 and five, and when or no, they're 20 and five, and when they're the road team, they're five and 15. So it's like historically, it's been a massive deal for this Pacers team. Mm-hmm. Now, obviously, obviously, like when you're the road team more often than not, you're like the eight seed or like the six seed. So like whatever. Sometimes you're the worst team. Like there's obviously a bunch of variables there, but it obviously matters a big deal. And when one team has their superstar and one team doesn't. You need every advantage you can get. Now, I understand from the Celtics side where they're like, maybe, I mean, maybe I'm at off base here because I don't cover the team, but I, I'm assuming the Celtics will think they're better and think they can win regardless if they get it or not. And that would be the reason that, not that a team will give more effort or not, but like the Pacers might take it more seriously in terms of winning the head-to-head games. Yeah, I, I think right now for the Celtics, they're, they're looking to more get their matchups and their yes. kind of – uh, yeah. Like they're they're going big right now on the uh, Horford and Baines pairing. They need to see oh, how much yeah. the the Horford and Baines <laughs> pairing will will work, and they need to get those guys more reps, more time on the court together because both those guys have spent time injured. So, um, first of all, how do you see the Horford Baines pairing working against the Pacers? Well, let's just start with that. I'll just throw that out there first. Wow, I, I said wow out of excitement mostly because. So this is this is mostly unrelated to the series, but a necessary concurrent. Um, we, obvi- like if you know anything about the Pacers, they have two centers: Miles Turner, Demontis Sabonis. Uh, and and the consensus around the world is one of them will eventually be gone um, because you can't pay a bunch of two guys to do one position. So the the fallback for people like me is if they can work together then you can keep both. And they're both very good. And that the likely scenario is if you try to find a way to work in two guys who are very good and fit in your culture, uh, this regular season, they've done a good job, good enough job together. But it obviously doesn't matter if they suck together in the playoffs. But they can play more minutes together should the other team have two bigs on the floor. Lo and behold, should there be, <laughs> should, should there be a scenario where it's Horford Baines for the Celtics, that makes me happy if, if that is the wrinkle because – that allows the Pacers to experiment with something that helps them in the future and something that's been moderately to decently successful for them. Uh, the offense can't really score with those two in the court, but the defense is unbelievable. Like something like a 99 defensive rating when they share the court together. Um, so head to head, like Torford is far and away the best center of that group. And I don't know how, like what the perfect answer is for him. I'm sure Turner can defend from the rim a little bit now. So they'll just try to match that up and hope they can get away with it. But uh, when it's a lot of brute force like that, uh, I, I think the Pacers match up decently well just given their personnel and that Thad's such a scrapper when he's in the game. But if that's a wrinkle they haven't seen, it could throw them off, especially because, I mean, all four of their games this year are going to be vastly different. Like Vic played in the first two, but one was a 30-point blowout. And, like, now it's a different Pacers team who has Wes Matthews and the Celtics have their new guys. I guess that might just be Greg Monroe, but they're different. You know, it's... It, it's hard for me to foresee like some wrinkle being the di- the thing that makes me go, oh, that that Celtics won because they were able to pull out Baines and Horford. Like I'm given the Pacers personnel, I'm not like so scared of that being the thing that changes the series. Right. Um, so that's interesting that <laughs> that because we're actually both in the same boat. Like the the Celtics offense takes a little bit of a, a hit when it's Horford and Baines because it, it does clog the lane a little bit. Baines has stepped out. And he'll take a three occasionally, but he's not hitting it anywhere near any kind of percentage that makes him dangerous. But he'll take them, 
and well, like we saw in the series last uh, last year against the Sixers, uh, he'll he'll pop a few in. He can get hot, and and that can that could change the dynamic of a series. But mostly, it's a defensive thing. With with Baines and Horford, it becomes a defensive slugfest, which means that we're in line for a mid nineties eighty eight. Let's go seventy nine game. Grizzlies Jazz October level scores. Oh my god. But that's kind of really what we have to look forward to. I mean, when you look at the the possibility of two teams, they will play on March 29th, and the last game of the series could be at the end of April, maybe beginning of May. So two teams playing each other nine times in that span, potentially, that's like, at some point, there's going to be a fight. Like, they're... (laughs) Right, like at some point, who's the most gonna... likely? This is good content. Who's the most likely guy? On... Oh, it's smart. smart. Uh, no, duh, never mind. I know the answer to that question. Marcus Morris. Marcus, down. one of the Markai is going to Mar- be involved. <laughs> I was going to say Markai. Is that a thing? Do you call it Markai? <laughs> we, we've we've called yeah the. Oh, I love that. I wish we had two players with the same name. <laughs> That's fantastic. Dude, you you could have get like another Sabonis. Could be like the Saboni. <laughs> the Sabona. <laughs> Well, if you want to be mature, the Saboners, but nah. <laughs> well, when when Turner and and Sabonis show the court, people call it Saboner. So <laughs> it already we already have that on our right. side. I'm uh, not the only immature idiot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the fight that it'll be uh it'll be Thad Young and West Matthews versus uh, the Morai. <laughs> Love it. Uh, I'm I'm in on that. Uh, that's that's inevitably like, but that's what happens. It's like. Um, when you hear about a fight between teammates towards the end of training camp, they're just sick of each other. And by the time you get to game five, let's say, and that would be the seventh game. Like everybody knows everything. There's no wrinkle that anybody could put out. No coach, no player. Like everybody's put all their cards on the table. And this is why you talk about the playoffs. The best player wins generally because Everybody knows everything. Everybody knows the plays. Everybody knows the defense. It's just a matter of which guy is going to make the play and beat another guy to a certain spot and and do that often enough to win a game. And you do that often enough in as many games you can to to win a series. Like that's well, thank God the Pacers. The, thank God the Pacers have Kyrie Irving. <laughs> and that's why. And that's why the Celtics fans are. Pretty, I would say, pretty happy about facing the Pacers. Like, but I think Boston would much rather face the Sixers. Wow. Yeah. Oh yeah. Wow. Oh yeah. Uh, we. What? We, <laughs> Wait. What? We in Boston. Oh, uh, we love the Sixers. Uh man, that's like that's like easy money. That right there. Like the the, the Celtics and the Sixers, man. The wow. They are. Oh, uh, that's a whole thing. Oh yeah. You didn't know about that? Hey. If, well, I know you always beat them, but I, yeah, I didn't that's know why. you want. That's why. Oh, okay. Oh, that's we fair. love. Like if that's it was, totally fair. <laughs> if, if the Sixers somehow ascended to the top seed, there'd be conversations in Boston like, "Oh, should we tank to eight? Can we get there?" <laughs> Absolutely. Oh man. But but second <laughs> on that list would be the Pacers because you don't have Oladipo. Let's do this. Let's take a short break. I want to come back because I think I I really want to get from your perspective what Celtics fans need to know about this team without Oladipo, because 
not a lot of Celtics fans follow the Pacers and not closely enough to know that what, what's been happening without uh, Victor Oladipo. So we're going to take a short break. When we do that, uh, we'll come back and we'll talk about that. And remember, all you new listeners, to get the show every day, subscribe to the Lockdown Celtics or Lockdown Pacers on the new Himalaya podcast app. You know, it's uh, the podcasts are exploding everywhere. It's too many to, to keep track of. So that what the Himalaya podcast app does is they personally, personally curate the lists for you to accommodate your tastes. So, and they've got new features every day. So download the Himalaya app at your app store to subscribe to Lockdown Celtics or Lockdown Pacers. We're going to be right back with more. Victor Oladipo goes down with just a horrible injury. I mean, that torn quad tendon, God, I can't imagine an injury. Like, I mean, I, I shouldn't say that because Yusuf Nurkic just happened, but that torn quad tendon is a brutal, brutal injury. And we thought, well, there go the Pacers. That sucks because uh, outside of being a conference rival, Tony, the Pacers are just an, an imminently likable team. Like, we just, you can't not like the Pacers. You can't not like Victor Oladipo's story. All of those guys are just likable on that team, the whole situation. And maybe even more so. Now that they've banded together and continued to fight, and now I know you're in a very, very brutal stretch of the schedule, and this is a little bit of, you know, to use the uh, old cliche, chickens coming home to roost a little bit. <laughs> but it's it's been amazing, and I, I just kind of want to get your sense, because one thing that's been coming up recently is that this Pacers team is reminiscent of last year's Boston Celtics team that lost Gordon Hayward early and then lost uh, Kyrie Irving uh, towards the end of the season and still made it to the conference finals and just ever so close to the NBA finals. So just for a Celtics fan who might not have been watching or not watching closely enough, how has Indy still maintained themselves? They're, they're still the fourth seed in the East after all of this. Uh, a, a team effort is the cliche answer because, duh, like you don't have a star anymore. Everybody has to step up. So I'm not going to fall on the lazy answer. I'm actually going to say they found a guy to be a lead guy and a star, and that is Boyan Bogdanovich. And I know it sounds completely absurd that I just said Boyan Bogdanovich is a star if you're not keeping up with the Pacers, but he's averaging like 22 points per game since Vic went out. He's up to 18 per game on the year. His, his scoring output every night is basically what C.J. McCollum or LaMarcus Aldridge put up, which when you hear it that way, you're like, oh, damn, like this guy, yeah. this guy can actually score. And he's super efficient, uh, 43% from three, really good from the line. He can get there now. He's got this off-the-dribble game that no one knew existed until this year. Um, and they, you know, he's like, like when the set dies and now you're running a pick and roll or whatever, like obviously the Celtics are like, oh, Tatum, Kyrie, whatever. they have a million guys. So it's not like as big of a deal. Where the Pacers, they have no one off the dribble anymore with Vic out, except now all of a sudden it's like, look, we have Boyan Bogdanovich to bail us out in these situations, and that's been just enough, uh, given that their defense is the second best in the NBA still, to get by, and that's been a huge reason why they've been able to be so good. Now, now I will fall back on the cliche. is It has been a team effort where Miles Turner is one of the best defensive players in the NBA this season. Darren Collison is, is one of the steadiest role players ever. Thaddeus Young. Uh, might be the most underrated basketball player in the NBA. I mean, most, most some of this is because he's 
on the Pacers and no one really pays attention to the team, but some of it is also that he's incredible. And their bench is one of the best in the league. Now, that matters less in the playoffs. But, you know, when we're looking at the success they have now and how they fell down to the four seed, it's really that that's been a huge part of it. So they, they just have all these pieces that have blended well enough for them to, to be this team that, that it's the four seed. Yeah, I mean, it's wild. And, and this defense, like, between uh, Turner and between Young and, and the, these guys, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a real, like, that's where you hang your hat. Like, this is a, a bruising uh, active, active hands moving around defense. Like they're, they're really, you, when you watch a Pacers game, I mean, you're seeing these guys, the communication, uh, which is, it runs counter to what Boston has been doing lately in their struggles, where a connected, communicating defense, uh, like, like the Pacers have had, anchored by, um, Turner, who is, still a, a young guy like he's yeah like that's that's the thing that i don't think a lot of people realize for some reason it feels like miles turner is like in his eighth year in the nba i don't know why i feel that way but he this is his fourth season he's a 22 year old kid and he's starting to figure this out i mean that's i'll ask you this it's special it feels like to have this unit do what these do all of these things, but when you look at this cap sheet, ah, oh, God, that Bogdanovich, uh, you got these guys are you, you, a lot of these guys. Collison, they're all expiring. Like this is you, you have a ton of cap space, but you don't. I, I, this, this team is is pretty special. It feels like it feels you, you might want to run it back and. How do you balance that as a Pacers guy? Like, how do you balance that? Like, this is a special team that's been doing a lot, and we're going to get, you know, Victor Oladipo back. And then what happens, you know, when Victor Oladipo comes back, what does he come back to? Completely fake cap space is what I'm calling it. Uh, I have a comparison for you. The Wizards went into the summer of 2016 with, air quotes that you can't see, a ton of cap space. But that's because their entire roster was a free agent, right? So what they actually had was a lot of needs. So they need to spend money on a lot of players. And instead, they spent a lot of money on Jan Mahimi and Andrew Nicholson. Oh my God. And, <laughs> and you know, they, they got, they got some okay, like helpful dudes along the way, but that was the big chunk of their money. You know, they tried to get Al Horford, which like, even then they're left with like Wabio, Porter Horford and nobody, um, which is a good team to be fair. It's just, it, it's a lot of money sinking in one guys. So the Pacers will have like, they'll be staring at like Oladipo, Turner, McDermott, Sabonis, Aaron Holiday, and a bunch of space. So it's like, yeah, you have cap space, but you have to sign like three forwards and another guard and maybe a third. It's like, it's not real cap space, if that makes sense. Right. So, but at the same time, like I'm a human and I love hope. Like Daryl Morey talking to Zach Lowe said it best, like, the NBA sells hope. So you, so you look ahead and you saw this space and you're like, boy, oing, like, oh my God, we could, we can get Kemba Walker. We can get Jimmy Butler. Like we can't, we're Indiana, but we could think like that. And that is the next step for a team that is like knocking on the door of being a conference finalist team. You're right there. So it's hard not to think that way at the same time. Um, so it's really a hard like meeting of my own minds with the cap space this summer. And I have no idea what their plan is going to be because it could just be like, let's take Mike Conley into space or something like that. Um, but they, they have a lot of ways they can improve. It's just, 
it's very odd because like you said, so many guys are coming off the books and like with Boyan and Thad specifically, like you almost have to keep them. There's such an important reason why you're good now. Yeah. Uh, it's, uh, I mean, well, I don't want to, I don't want to bog this down into too much salary cap talk because, um, you're, no, I'm glad you brought up our summer because our summer is going to look like nothing in the entertainment department compared to your summer. <laughs> yeah. <I'm> trying <laughs> to distract everybody from our summer. Um, <laughs> Although, we'll look, take all your draft picks if you want to just focus on the trade. <laughs> uh, it's going to be an interesting summer. It, look, it could be for Boston. It could just simply be Kyrie comes back, they trade for Anthony Davis, and they roll out a team that's AD, Kyrie, Hayward uh, after a summer and it, the improvement that he's shown, Horford, who would still be around. and you think he opts in? That's an interesting thing for me. What's that? Do you think he opts in? That's an interesting debate no, for me. No, I don't think I, my my ex- expectation with Al Horford is that he opts out and re-signs a five-year deal that starts in a team-friendly range of. I agree. That's exactly what I think he does. Yeah, I think someone like seventeen, eighteen million to start, and then this way he gets because he, even he might be able to get like a two-year deal, a three super fifty deal, or something. Maybe. Something yeah. like that where he gets $50 million, but he won't get what he gets in year four and five for right. the Celtics. Right. Um, like and it's at this age, that stability being in the same city, uh, even if he gets traded towards the end, like he could just, you know, whatever, retire and whatever. <laughs> you know, it's – but, yeah, I, that's my expectation w- w- with uh, with Horford. Can I can I do outsider perspective Celtics stuff? Go ahead, yeah. I, I, have, two, I, have, I have two. Two? Two things that – I like everybody thinks about the Celtics all the time because you have Kyrie Irving and cap space and possibly Anthony Davis, like not actually cap space. You could have cap space anyway. There's like a lot of paths the Celtics could take to their team next year. Yeah. So one of them to me is, is, is a Danny Ainge thing. And to me, it's like this whole time transparent or not, it's, it's felt like the plan is like, we're going to get Anthony Davis one day. Like we just are. So imagine you get to the point and then you don't send everything to get him mm-hmm. and then you don't get him. Like, I feel like that's going to look bad for him. Like, if it, if it comes out at all that, like, oh, we, they, they didn't offer Tatum or they, you know, they didn't offer the one thing that would have pushed him over the edge. Mm-hmm. Like, if you sold to fans, like, oh, we're going to get AD someday, and then you don't, I, I don't know if that's going to matter because the price could end up just being so high. But to me, it's like th- there could be a bridge that has to be crossed there. I th- Yeah, um, I, I don't think that a lot of Celtics fans would care. Like, I don't think... Oh, I, yeah, that's fair. Yeah, I don't think there's a lot of Celtics fans right now clamoring for, like, oh, my God, things are going to be better when AD comes around. <laughs> like, I literally – and and I understand, like, I live in a little bit of a bubble, but even in my little Twitter bubble, not a single fan has said, like, oh, whatever, as soon as AD comes, everything's going to be fixed. Like, I haven't gotten any of that. Right. Uh, I, I think people would be happy to bring back – Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. And I think really honestly, if there's any one roster move that anybody's looking forward to, it's goodbye, Terry Rozier. <laughs> goodbye. All these, Marcus Pacers, Morris. all these Pacers people want Rozier from that one playoff series. And I'm like, guys, like this guy sucks. You can have him. Please. He's terrible. He is. Ugh, sorry. It's, it's he's He, um, it, it's going to be interesting. I will just give him. A it's little over, bit. right? It's the Magic or Suns are going to give him four for sixty, and it's going to be hilarious. It, it it might be. It very well <laughs> might be. I, but I will say 
that I'm going to give him a little bit of the benefit of the doubt. Just Ooh. Three, okay. Ooh. Okay. Okay. Now he's, he is not an efficient player. He has historically not shot well, but he has historically shot better as games progressed. Like, when he gets a, a good amount of playing time, generally it was like slow first quarter, better better end to the half, maybe a little slow start to the third quarter, better fourth quarter. And above all else, he is still 25, um, and he he could improve, but I don't think he's going to be the guy that, that can make a, a huge difference. Um, if, if he gets his money and he feels comfortable in a role – and he's a starter that gets his 30 minutes, then maybe he can settle down with some of the things that he does that drives Boston crazy. I That's maybe. That's that's me just being uh, like positive and optimistic about him. That might just be who he is, and some of those pull-up shots that he takes can just be... Mm. I'll tell you what. There have been a number of times, and like that Charlotte game where the Celtics collapsed... He was a, a, a big culprit in the, uh, oh, we're done with the ball movement because we're this game is decided. As soon as the game is decided for the Boston Celtics, they there are a few guys that are like, oh, great, it's decided. All right, time to pad my stats. And Rozier is definitely one of them. And I think that has to do with his contract. And I just wonder if, like, in the playoffs, he didn't it didn't feel like that. So I just wonder if that if that contract is out of the way, if he can get back to just running an offense or whatever. I will also say this about Rozier, not really a point guard. He's, he's an off guard. He, he's not really the guy you want handling the ball all the time. He doesn't see the floor particularly well. He's maybe the worst Instead of handling the ball. How about sitting on the bench? Yeah, that's, that's a, that's generally (laughs) a place where Celtics fans would love to see him. Uh, He might be the worst player in the NBA at throwing alley-oops. Like there is no one that throws I love first that. alley-oops. Oh, my God. There was an alley-oop he tried to throw. Uh, God, where was it? It was, it was at home recently. <laughs> the ball went uh, like about two feet from the top of the backboard. It hit on the side. It was bad. You gotta wow. look it up. I don't know. I, I don't, there's a way to look it up. All right, you had another point. You had two points. Oh, yeah, <laughs> I did. And then I thought of a third, but I don't want to do three. Um, but, but yeah, my other one's... How many comes in threes, so... <laughs> That's true. My, my Tatum... My, oh, my other one is a Tatum one. I just gave it away. Um, <laughs> I think I would bluff with him if I'm Ainge. I think I, I think I would say, yeah, you know what? Yeah, we'll offer Tatum, and the second it happens, I'm not doing it. Oh, I'm just really? not doing it. Yeah. I, I don't know. I just... I feel like you can still have the best offer if you're the Celtic team without him. So I, I I say nah, never mind. Yeah, I mean I think the goal would unless the Knicks get the number one pick, no one else can beat the offer. But I, I'm I'm all in on Zion to Atlanta. Like that oh would, me too. Oh my god, I would I would buy just tickets right? from here. That would be amazing to watch. First of all, second of all, Atlanta's not trading any of those guys. They don't give a shit. They're, that's no. It's a perfect place for him to go. They win four. They would win four titles. I I don't. I, yeah. Maybe not, but I I would love that team. It would be I mean between him, Trey, Herder, Collins. I mean that that team is just like it's just so Back. fun, young, exciting. Like just too young and stupid to know any. They'd be might be the worst defensive team in the league. They'd have to win <laughs> games like 150 to 145, and that would be just amazing to watch. They, they awesome. could trade every other thing for Rudy Gobert. 
and then <laughs> then they'd fix it. <laughs> that would be amazing. But that would also take Zion out of the running uh, for uh, a, a trade. So that's true. Uh, I would I would love like in the ultimate ultimate best case scenario, and okay, let me just preface this okay. by saying that certain things have transpired that are in basketball senses beneficial to the Boston Celtics, but I do not I, I wish they didn't happen. For example, Brandon Ingram had a blood clot. I I do not wish that Brandon Ingram had a blood clot. I wish that Brandon Ingram was healthy. Now, though, in the reality, <laughs> but... <laughs> but in the reality, like in the NBA reality, if you just say, like, I I don't want this to be the case. However, New Orleans is looking at the Lakers offer and Brandon Ingram is the, the centerpiece of that offer. And you have to have pause because he may clear medical records and he may be healthy and you have that fear of. But if he gets another blood clot, then he becomes Chris Bosh and you lose the centerpiece of your trade. So that significantly diminishes the trade value. So and thankfully, Lonzo and Hart are also very healthy. Yes, right. Exactly. But so this is the situation. So it's not that I'm reveling in it. I don't want that. I, I, I want everybody to be healthy. I want everybody to be. But the reality is what it is. And now Boston is in a situation to say, well, do you really want Brandon Ingram? We've got Jalen Brown, who's been playing amazing. Like, and Jason Tatum, who you pick one. Pick one, we'll keep the other. But you can't have both anymore. Like, that's yeah. where Boston is. And I think Boston fans will kind of be like, the way Jalen Brown has been playing lately, I think Boston fans will be like, yeah, we'll keep – if we can keep one of those guys and Sweet. get Anthony Davis – Holy Sweet. shit. Like, holy shit. Like, <laughs> yeah. that's then, you know, Warriors East. Like, that. Then I would convince, like, I would try to convince Kevin Pritchard to pack it up for a year. <laughs> <laughs> You're not winning the East next year. Just pack it up. Pack it up. And then, and then what? What do you do, though? I uh, hope you guys don't keep, <laughs> don't retain AD. I don't know. I don't know. Um, yeah. Jalen Brown demands the max or he walks. I, I don't know. Something. Yeah. Well, that's going to be where. Okay. So let's, um, Let's, Sigh. let's wrap this up. I yeah. feel like we're going to be talking a lot over the next month. Off the rails. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the, this, the Pacers now come into Boston, and it's a Friday night, and you are uh, struggling a bit. Losers of four or five. Yes. Um, and you gave up against Oklahoma City just a little 24 nothing run. Uh, this now in Boston – is the uh, front end of a back-to-back. How, how do you see this going for your guys? Uh, I think, you know, the, the Pacers are good at, like, when motivated, they will work their ass off the whole game. And Nate McMillan can walk into the locker room five minutes before they run out on the court and say, the winner of this game walks out of the building, the four seed. You know, that, that's the whole speech. Uh, you're fired up for the whole game. Uh, you, you've been playing like shit. Like you, you just judiciously said, I appreciate that. Um, so there's no reason for them not to be as fired up as they can possibly be. And given that, I think they can compete the entire game. Now, I think Celtics, given that they have the best player on the court are the better team. However, that has not translated well for them recently. 
So I think the Pacers have a, as good a chance as anyone would in this scenario. However, I also, I, I don't know, like I'm an outsider. I, I, I've said that many times to you, but I just feel like you, you can't tell me if you're a guy who like, if we win, we jump this team in the standings. Like you're not going to have like a little bit more edge. Like I feel like the Celtics are also going to be like a click up and that makes it harder for the Pacers to overcome. It is a little bit different for the Celtics at home versus uh, That's on true. the road. And like, that is the, true. The Celtics have been pretty good at home. Uh, we're, we're both very similar, like both very good at home. Neither of us very good on the road, both struggling at the same time. Um, but both weirdly like still have a lot of positive things to kind of hang our hats on. So uh, the, I could very much see each each team splitting this and getting down to the weird tiebreaker. And then it just comes down to like who finishes strong. Like just because they split doesn't mean like they're going to end up the season tied. One team could still end up ahead of the other, but um, I, I wouldn't be surprised at a split. But that I, uh, oh ooh, ooh, I got one here. Ooh. Actually, what? Actually, yeah. John, <laughs> if they split and end tied because they both have. Every single game the rest of the way against Eastern Conference opponents, the Celtics would have a better record against the East in that scenario because they'd have to win one more game than the Pacers the rest of the way to be tied. Oh. So if they split and finish with the same record, the Celtics get the tiebreaker. Really? Yes. Yeah. All right. Who did I see? Adam Coffin, right? Is that a Celtics guy that exists? He is. Uh, is that a name? That- yeah, that's a, that's a guy that's in Boston. He- I think that's who it was who tweeted that, and I looked into it, and I said, "Yes, that is accurate." If, okay. If, if they split and the sil- and the, and if they split and finish with the same record, the Celtics get it. Interesting. Okay. I guess I I must have misread something, but hey, all right. Well then, if the Celtics win, so then the Celtics win, then all they got to do is end up the season tied. Yeah. I, I don't like that. I don't like. You know why I don't like that? Because <laughs> I don't like that because it gives the it gives Boston an out. And the, every time, the, to, the, to me, the, the Celtics' biggest nemesis has been uh, when things are going good. Like, they they don't – the Celtics' pattern has been that when once things are going great, that's when they screw up the most. Like, that's why they blow these big leads. That's why they the, – their, their worst moments have been the blown lead against the Clippers, the blown lead against the Lakers, the blown lead against Charlotte – when they get up big, they say, oh, right, time for me to cash in and get my numbers. <laughs> and so, again, back to the Charlotte game. They were up 18. Jalen Brown's cooking. A couple of guys take you know ill-advised pull-up jumpers. And then what they don't do is after they take a couple of pull-up jumpers and give up you know, easy baskets and transition because after you miss pull-up jumpers, these guys hang their heads. What they don't do is say, okay, refocus, let's get back to doing the things that we did. They just continue to cascade down this weird, bad uh, trend. So for them, if they know, like I hope no Boston anybody is with the team is listening to this podcast because once they know that all they have to do is win one game, then they'll lose this game because they're like, ah, we got another one. Like that's that's the Boston way this season. They'd be like, ah. Who cares? We, we, we just got to win the other one. And then they, they'll go into the other one and be like, oh, God, then it's, it's on the road, and the Pacers are going to be amped up at home, and yes. they'll lose that one too. Like, that's that's the Boston way. So uh, Boston needs to win this game. That's all you need to know, Celtics. Yes. And the headline. 
Someone hire, someone get the Boston Globe on the line. <laughs> Boston needs to win this game. All right. That's, uh. Yeah, no, 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 I'm closing this. Uh, I need you to give me your exact score prediction. Oh, <laughs> for, for, for the Friday night game? Uh, yes. Okay. My exact score prediction is actually my, mm, I'm actually going to say, uh, one ten. Boston is going to win and it's going to be like, 110 to 91. Like it's wow, gonna be, they're going to kill them. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. They did kill them last time in Boston. That was brutal. Yeah. I think I think brutal. Boston comes out like after everything there's a this just feels like the type of game where they've lost a bunch and uh I know that they won their last game but like that last game was they beat Cleveland and they needed like a late run to beat Cleveland so that almost doesn't count. Um, they, (laughs) so I, I would say that this feels like the type of just the way the season has gone, the response game, the response game at home. And they really, really, really feed off that home crowd. So I wouldn't be surprised if it's like a pull away in the fourth quarter, like going into the fourth quarter, it's a six point game. And then all of a sudden, you know, Somebody like Rozier comes out of nowhere and hits like three straight threes, and the crowd's going nuts, and it's over. Wow! Yeah, it's gonna be if like Rozier hits thing. three straight threes. This game is over. So. Yeah, yeah, like he can do it, but like that, I feel like something weird's gonna happen like that, and that's what's gonna be what what decides it. No. That, that that's a good answer. Sometimes I just one time I've just wanted to like Price is Right somebody and just be like, well, I think it's gonna be one ten to ninety two, <laughs> idiot. <laughs> <laughs> but I've never done it. Uh, um, oh. Yeah. I think it's going to be closer than that, but I don't know. I'll go like 105-100 Celtics. I think the home team wins both the games the rest of the way, though. I, I, that would not surprise me at all. That's very on-brand for both teams. Chaos, baby. My favorite. <laughs> <laughs> all right, now I get to wrap up the show. Yes, sorry. Thanks for listening, everybody. Hope all of you new listeners are uh, willing to subscribe. And, hey, I would say for all the Celtics listeners, subscribe to the Lockdown Pacers. We're going to get to know these guys uh, very intimately over the next month. So go ahead and subscribe. <laughs> Remember, you can subscribe to this show or the Lockdown Pacers show on the new Himalaya podcast app, as well as Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. And when you get in your car, tell your smart device to play Lockdown Celtics or Lockdown Pacers. It'd be great to listen to after all of these games, leading into all of these games. It's always good to get the other team's perspective. Tony. Thank you very much for... Thanks for having me, John. I appreciate it. It was a good time. It was fun. It was a lot of fun. Thanks for listening, everybody. This has been the Locked On Celtics Podcast here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Yeah, Corrales, Packard, and Jay King. Locked On Celtics. Rejecting the screen has been retweeted by Kobe, Dame Lillard, and Vince Carter. So it's fair to say you should give it a shot. I'm Noah Kozlov. And I'm Adam Stanko. Rejecting the screen hits your feed every Tuesday and Thursday. On Tuesday, we talk hoops and a little bit of life. On Thursday, we go ISO with a guest. Stories from anyone and everyone who has touched the NBA with tales we promise you've never heard before. Find Rejecting the Screen right now wherever you get podcasts and hit that subscribe button.